0: We are back, Patrick and Jakub, the dynamic duo with the Mining Your Business podcast, show all about process mining, data science, and advanced business analytics. How are you doing today, Jakub? I'm doing quite nice, Patrick. Hi. Joining us today on the podcast is Sebastian van Selst, head of process mining group at Fraunhofer FIT, founder of the most downloaded process mining Python library, PM4Py, and co-creator of Cortado, a process mining software that unifies the world of manual process modeling and automated process discovery. Let's get into it.
1: hi there process mining community welcome to yet another episode of mining your business podcast uh did you think that with our previous guests such as uh Will van der aust or marlon dumas we were getting technical well let's wait for today's guest with uh, sebastian van Zelst, uh, head of the process mining group and a deputy head of the fit department at fraunhofer a german applied research organization oh and uh also a researcher and a Python expert. Uh, Sebastian, welcome to the Mining Your Business podcast. It's a huge pleasure to have you on our show.
2: Thank you and happy to be on the show.
1: First things first, Sebastian. Uh, congratulations on a recently born baby daughter.
2: Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you very, uh, very much.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess, yeah, family, family, uh, business is always uh, exciting stuff. Uh, but however, we today have a process mining topic in mind and First question I would actually have on you is uh, how is it that every process mining researcher seems to be from the Netherlands?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Good question. Uh, I think inevitably, uh, well, you had Will on the show. Will van der Ast, as, as you already introduced, so uh, as he has uh, been a driving force for the for the um, field for many years. I guess he, yeah, uh, sort of naturally attracted some people that were studying there interested in, in, in doing a PhD and, uh, it kind of spiraled out of control, <laughs> but these days it's getting yeah, very international, uh, at the same time. But, uh, I guess it's will that, uh, is a major source of this phenomenon.
1: Yeah. I guess those are also the reasons why he's called uh, the godfather of process mining. It's exciting that he sparks this uh, young young generation of, of uh, process mining, uh, I would say, members or researchers across the globe. But it's also cool whenever I see uh, the resumes of the guests that we have, that most of them worked with him at some point at uh, any paper or university in Eindhoven or Aachen. And it's uh, very exciting how this community is actually revolving still in a relatively smaller circle
2: yeah indeed indeed but getting bigger and bigger by the by the day
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. absolutely so um sebastian uh the, the first uh let's say i would like to really discuss your your career and you work uh in fraunhofer uh which is the research institute in in germany uh you are a head of process mining there and uh since it's a research institute, uh, does it mean that you are kind of this bridge uh, between like a pure academia or, and industry? Uh, and, or, or do I understand it wrong?
2: No, that's, that's actually exactly what it is. Uh, it's, so Fraunhofer is actually quite a large uh, scientific organization uh, established after the Second World War, actually, that uh, uh, is uh, having exactly this mission. Uh so it's it's a non-profit organization with the sole purpose to transfer results from uh, academia into industrial applications. Um uh, yeah that's what that's what exactly what we do so spot on.
0: <laughs> so um in general what do you do as the deputy head of data science and artificial intelligence? Well uh, as a de-
2: as the deputy head uh, uh I support our uh, general head of the department uh right so it's it's a mixture of certain leadership activities as well as uh, uh administrative tasks uh it's, it's a, uh in that sense it's a minor role that i play uh, my my mm-hmm. main responsibility mm-hmm. is 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 leading a group uh that that on process mining which i actually inherited from from will uh from the last some time ago
0: so, um, what do you do in this process mining department? Uh,
2: well, our, our main goal is is twofold. Uh, on the one hand, um, so most of the the team members that that are in my group they also are PhD students, which I mm-hmm. supervise. Um, we we are strongly uh, related to the to the research group of Wil van der Aalst, so he's often acting uh, as a promoter, and I'm I'm taking care of the day to day uh, supervision of these people. So. On that perspective, we, we, we do research, uh, we try to develop new things. Uh, what's important for the work of our group is that somehow specifically for the PhD students, um, it has to have a bit of an applied nature of mm-hmm. what they do. So mm-hmm. the problems somehow have to be real, or there should really be a strong tool or software component that flows out of this right, uh, research. And and secondly, um, um we we try to do projects with industry. Mm. Um where, yeah, where we try to uh, do all kinds of process mining related stuff uh ranging from applying it uh to developing or co-developing uh technology.
0: Mm. So I've heard that um as a researcher it's hard to get your um hands on some real-world data. So is this kind of um industry approach like the the one of those golden nuggets do you have to go out and beg these companies so to have your researchers work on this topic or is it more the other way around that they really want to work with you like how does that come about
2: um yeah it's, it's, it's a good question um on the one hand we don't have that issue so much uh when you compare it to the more classical uh, researchers Uh, because uh, of course uh, we're a non-profit organization but in the end yeah we just do projects together with the industry partners trying to help them achieve a business goal or uh, understand the processes better so Mm -hmm. whenever we apply process mining uh, yeah we definitely get data Um, we do not always necessarily use the data in our scientific outputs Uh, so how how you should look a bit more at those projects is often when we when we do these projects we observe certain problems that that we then later try to generalize a bit and then Mm -hmm. in the end write a paper Mm -hmm. about Uh, if we're lucky we can then use an anonymized form of of the data that we've been Mm -hmm. working with but uh, it's not our main aim of these projects it's really basically helping our partners in, in achieving their goals um and whatever scientific ideas we get out of it, uh, the synergetic side effect.
1: Um, what would uh, be interesting also for me is uh, what kind of projects are you actually working on then? Uh, because I can imagine what academia works on. They have uh, a lot of uh, theories that they're trying to solve or problems they're trying to solve. And then on the other side, it's it's us. It's people who are implement- implementing, let's say, the standard processes. And uh, then it's, it's Fraunhofer. So how does a typical project look like and how do you even distinguish between, let's say, this this uh, difference between it's already too business-oriented or it's already too academical?
3: Um,
2: so I I would distinguish what we do in roughly three categories. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's a, actually, it's a bit more, but to to try to categorize the bits. So on one end, we, we are active in trying to apply Process mining, so trying to effectively analyze event data that, that originates from a process. Uh, that, that's something that we do uh, together with, with actually colleagues uh, that are more from um, business informatics. Uh, so we tend to cover the technical aspects of these projects. They tend to cover the business questions, or and, and it's a very nice collaboration. So those are projects where... Eventually, a project partner uh, provides us with data of a process. We analyze such, such data. We come to some sort of uh, conclusion that's often a report or, when preferred, just a presentation, trying to highlight what are the main issues, mm-hmm. where is improvement potential, et cetera. Um, and then we, we, in certain cases, uh, go into a larger-scale project where we, for example, try to... Um, implement the analysis that we did in, for example, the um, commercial tool of choice right. of the industry partner. That That's one sort of type of project. So that's a typical thing that we do. We start small with more custom mm-hmm. tooling. Then we try to look, okay, what what did we get out of it? Can we adopt this in mm-hmm. yeah any commercial uh, solution?
0: Mm. So that sounds... Awfully similar to what you and I do, Jakob, doesn't it? <laughs> <Right>? Kind of. <laughs> yeah. So we do something very, very similar. So do you think there's, um what what do you think is like the main difference between doing it from like an academic point of view and, and doing it from a more um industry point of view? Because, you know, we're on the industry side, we implement it directly with customers. What do you think makes the big difference to doing it with um, uh, that academic aspect?
2: Um. I think in the end, for us, the goal is always to uh, learn something or to transfer Mm -hmm. knowledge. Uh, I also, for every project that I do, I have to make the case, Uh, right? So um, of course there's different, there's there's different differentiation factors there. Um, Another thing is that we tend to not focus so much on highly standardized processes necessarily. Of course, if if we collaborate with an industry partner that says, "Would you like to look at the purchase to pay process or the order to cash process?" We we won't necessarily say no. We don't. We're not going to do that, mm-hmm. as you guys are probably well aware. Every process <laughs> and corresponding data set has numbers of challenges. So yeah. the learning aspect is actually easy to, to cover there. Um, but but in general, I have to. Um, we have to specify this. And at the moment that a certain type of analysis would get, get very repetitive, I should actually try to teach then the industrial partner how to do it uh, themselves. Right. But obviously there will be overlaps with what industrial... I mean, it's not a black and white uh, mm. thing, I guess. Uh, so, so yeah, there will be definitely overlaps with 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 what you guys do. Um um, but I think that's the difference, and I prefer to focus on core processes mm. uh, of companies mm-hmm. because uh, yeah, it has more potential for improvement.
0: So um, you also you already touched on this a little bit about some of the the research that you guys do. So this is like secondary or at least separate from the industry implementations. Um, can you give us some examples, or at least tell us a little bit about what kinds of problems that you guys are focusing on in on your research?
2: Yeah. Um, in in so I have a, there's a bunch of research lines that we're working on. Um, of course, when you look at my publications list, you'll find also certain, mm-hmm. what we would say, exotic theoretical things. Or
1: uh, <laughs> I have to say, I was thing. trying to read it into bit. Uh, it was very challenging, very interesting things that yeah. I've never heard of.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it depends. Uh, when when I have time, which these days, uh, specifically with a young daughter, is uh, <laughs> not, not so much the case. I, I tend to write. More theoretical papers because that's something I like personally. Uh, when you look at more strategically research lines, one big research line that we have been pushing with one of my team members that that focuses on event abstraction, um, where the idea is that you try to lift the recorded event data into a higher level notion. There's another strong research line that is focusing on um, trying to integrate domain knowledge into process discovery. So trying to leverage the knowledge that is inside an organization regarding the execution of a process, uh, trying to embed that in the algorithms that that try to discover process models. A third sort of more recent um, direction that we are pushing, but we haven't published about it per se, we're still in the, let's say startup phase, is to try to exploit historical uh, process Event data for the purpose of uh scheduling mm-hmm. trying to make the schedules of you know processes more realistic or try to dynamically counteract certain if certain events occur that would violate the schedule trying to smartly compute new schedules um and on the longer run it's also a bit related to the things uh like some of our um Outings to the uh, industry uh, that that we haven't really discussed yet it's more the software development side and i'm still very interested to try to see uh, to really push process mining algorithms at scale so to really uh, design distributed uh, approaches to to be able to handle uh, billions of events essentially mm-hmm. something that has my personal interest which i want to also push uh, in the upcoming time
1: um so Sebastian uh what can companies actually do to uh come to Fraunhofer and say okay we have this very specific problem uh in the process uh we want to work with you guys to to solve it
2: Well there's a few uh, way well ideally they contact me uh, not necessarily directly they can contact us uh, over various channels um we also have a what we call center for process intelligence um which is this joint collaboration that I I referred to earlier. Um, What I prefer to do in such cases is to first sit together with um, the industrial partner and try to um, get a feeling of, first of all, the process, what is uh, the potential there also, and whether the data footprint is a really accurate representation of Mm -hmm. that process. Um, that could in itself be a short project, not necessarily the case, could also be a shorter workshop. Sometimes you can easily decide it in one to two hours. And usually what we prefer to do is do a short, sh- shorter term project, say two to three months, where we try to analyze the data, also support an extraction of the data if that's necessary. Um, where we typically um, would try to discover a normative process model, we would do some conformity checking on on that normative model, and we would also do some performance and analysis mm-hmm. and then usually yeah uh, time runs out, and as I said as a <laughs> yeah non nonprofit organization, you cannot go too much over time in that sense, then you get issues <laughs> um, yeah and then and and then if if we see improvement potential uh, yeah we typically try to look at f- uh, further projects together with the with the partner hmm Mm-hmm. And it depends on, on, on what they would like to do with their results and how they would like to embed it in their organization, etc. Cetera, et cetera.
0: So you mentioned that these um, implementations typically are short two to three months, but do you also do longer term um, kind of cooperations and collaborations? And how long do these um, collaborations, can how long can they last?
2: Uh, Yeah, we do that. So um, with... Um, with a uh, industrial partner, uh, obviously, I'm, I'm never allowed to say uh, which mm-hmm. exact partner that is. Mm-hmm. Um, we basically have a uh, one of the members of the Center for Process Intelligence uh, being in the organization, in the organization, largely responsible for for process mining endeavors or supporting there in, in implementing a uh, uh, implementation in in process mining a process mining ecosystem. Um, We have another collaboration for a longer time with a large insurance uh, company Mm -hmm. um, in in which one of the daughter companies is is using our software as a process mining solution. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the idea there is actually that we we collaborate with them also explicitly on on, on new features uh, that are specific for them or specific for the insurance domain. Uh, and 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 with with that that company, we're, we're trying to also enter a bit in a sort of relationship that we are, yeah, their first to go to um, mm-hmm. group when 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 they have process mining related questions or projects that they would like to mm-hmm. set up. So um, and then of course there's the larger R and D type of projects where you have a multi year agreement uh, with the goal to 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 really develop novel technology specific for the industrial partner um, mm. um although yeah these these are hard to uh obtain because uh such a such a project is often a longer term collaboration so so that right that, yeah smaller companies it's very difficult for, for the average smaller company to do this type of project uh-huh.
1: Well what you've said uh raises a lot of questions for me actually because I was just about to ask some like real life examples of what kind of problems you are maybe trying to solve because I know our listeners just love examples and when you mentioned insurance uh that also basically rang a bell for us uh because we also had an insurance customer where we did some insurance related processes and it's pretty cool also for us as a as a partner to look at process mining from different perspectives you know it's not everything is not ordered to cash or purchase to pay there are also different processes and it's exciting so uh not to name the companies obviously could you at least uh go a bit more into examples of what kind of uh let's say uh, insurance specific issues were you trying to solve
2: um yes so um we worked on um uh at some point we just analyzed the general uh, handling of claims for for, for mm-hmm. such a company uh at the moment uh the company is using really the, 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 the process mining uh software mm-hmm. to improve certain kpis uh and and uh the discussions we have are primarily on the really the technical side of things so which charts would they like to see um which filtering functionality would they um they want to have Uh, we did recently have a i think they've been focusing more on the um, customer experience and processes related to that Uh, i think they recently showed us that uh, as part of their process mining endeavor because it's not only our uh, software of course that they use to analyze things but they also actively take the results and implement them in in yeah the systems that they actually used to drive that process. Um, also, certain parts were actually then, again, uh, I think exported to, to Power BI or something. So, But in mm-hmm. the end, they managed to improve uh, one of their KPIs significantly in the end, but when they finished that whole cycle.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I wouldn't know exactly what specific process it was, but I remember it was something related to customer uh, journey and specifically, I think the time required to respond to some some something uh, <laughs> in another um, parallel universe. I would say uh, uh-huh. I also supervise, of course, some master students and bachelor students in their uh, graduation process. And there we also have an interesting project at the moment with another insurance company, where um, well, well, he's basically trying to look at uh, exploiting process mining technology for fraud. So basically to be able to more characterize fraudulent behavior mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. rather than simply having a sort of black box predictor that says, yeah, this is fraud or not. He's trying to understand fraud.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, do you also sometimes have uh, scenarios with your customers and with the research topics that you basically... Uh, draw a big fat line and say okay this is just a a no-go because it's simply not realistic to do or are you always trying to let's say deliver at least some kind of a result um i we have been trying to deliver always
2: results um but yeah i think we learned the hard way that it's not always possible Mm -hmm. um and for me, the the the, the red line uh, should be that the data should really be there. <laughs> uh, and and sometimes uh, organizations, uh, what I mean with that is sometimes organizations they say the data is there, but then I haven't seen it, and then we embark <laughs> on a project, and it turns out the data is not really there or in other cases i mean we like challenges where for example we've been doing several projects where the data is not stored at all as events but mm-hmm. for example as time series or uh, right so sensor values or measurements mm. where you then first try to uh, transform uh, certain sensoric measurements into certain actions those are very challenging projects not necessarily um I mean uh, problematic, but but of course, what you get out of that is is not always uh, something that is directly um, f- translatable into meaningful insights, um, yeah so yeah, data should be there.
1: yeah, I remember we used to have a customer. it's been a while uh it happened a couple of years ago who wanted us to analyze emails, like a text <laughs> uh, and content of emails, uh. so we were thinking. Uh yeah maybe maybe let's not do that.
2: <laughs> yeah that's another thing that uh, I would like to add there should be also a notion of a process actually that's sometimes you have data that is in a form that you could say okay you could look at this as events but then uh, generally if 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 you would for example have a system where humans are free to do whatever they want yeah the the the, the truth is that that's then it will be not necessarily random, but the behavior will be more pseudo-random. But this large freedom basically comes at a very chaotic uh, Mm -hmm. footprint and and process. So, uh, yeah, then also tend to get more Mm -hmm. difficult.
1: Um, Before we jump onto the next topic, uh, and I know Patrick's already excited about that because <laughs> it's going to be uh, Python related. I wanted to ask uh, also, as I know that there are a lot of listeners uh, among our ranks who are students or visiting universities, you know, working on their thesis, thinking about applying on PhDs and so on. Um, what would a student have to do to start, let's say, applying for you and working with you on some of these uh, very interesting research topics that you're working on?
2: Um, well, the um, thing with, with our, if you work in our group, um, you would work three days per week, uh, as, um, basically on projects and two Mm -hmm. days per week is devoted on, on scientific work. Um, usually when you look at PhD in Europe, uh, it's important to mention PhD, uh, positions in the university it's the other way around 60 percent is research 40 percent is education mm-hmm. um, so people that would like to do a phd in our group uh really need to have an interest in applying this in practice that's very important i mean there are uh, some people don't have that interest um then then you shouldn't do this um people also should realize that if you apply this in practice that there's always a gap between what you research the ab- assumptions and abstractions we 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 have in in research versus what you do in practice this is simply a big gap so something that is very important and and secondly uh if you want to do a phd you have to be intrinsically motivated to do that because otherwise it can be a Bumpy and uh, also challenging road <laughs> to, to perform a PhD,
1: or everyone involved. <laughs>
2: yeah, that also affects the supervisory team usually. Yeah, this is true.
1: Okay. uh Yeah. So if you want to work in offer you have to be motivated.
2: <laughs> yeah, I guess it holds, it holds for most jobs. Yeah, um, yeah. But specifically motivated for 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 doing doing things in practice and also being interested in scientific challenges. Right. Uh, usually people are either of the two but not both so um, Mm -hmm. yeah it's not always easy for us to find people
1: all right um then sebastian moving on to the next topic and you already mentioned that uh, with one of your uh or with some of your customers you're actually working on your own process mining tool which is called cortado um, and just to read a description that I found on your website so a Cortado basically uh, enables the users to incrementally add new process behavior to the process model under construction in a visual and intuitive manner what does it mean? <laughs> <laughs> how does it differ from a standard process mining tool and explorer that I would say most of the listeners are already familiar with from other uh, commercial vendors yeah
2: uh, um uh, it's a lovely sentence by the way. <laughs> I don't know if I thought of that or or Daniel who is the main uh, developer. Um I think Daniel did. Um no, the um yeah. idea is that um first of all most commercial tools show uh, process maps mm-hmm. uh, usually which basically is a uh, representation of which activities can follow other activities in the process. Um the tool Cortado is trying to discover process models. So those are models that are, for example, BPMN type of models, mm-hmm. um, which have choice constructs, but also parallelism uh, constructs. So so the, the tool basically allows one to abstract a bit more from, from the data. So mm-hmm. um, I think most commercial tools don't really discover process models. I know Salonis does offer the functionality but it's at the same time it's a bit hidden I think you have to go to the conformance checking Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. tab and then somewhere you can still find a process model Mm. so the tool what it allows you to do in nutshell it uh, allows you first of all it's actually a process model editor so uh, you can always edit your model um, like you can also do in Camunda or or Signavio or something like that so Mm -hmm. you can edit process model uh, the interaction with the data is that um, cotado will show you the most uh, frequently occurring um, uh, executions uh, well actually it shows you all executions but it sorts them based on most frequently so what i'm trying to say is if for thousands instances of the process you always first see that the uh, a request is being uh, sent in a system and then uh, another check is done and then another activity. So so if, if for a thousand different customers, the same set of activities is happening in the same order, it will basically say, okay, this is a very important execution. So you get an overview of all these different executions of the process and you can actually select which of these you would like to add to the model. So you mm, make a selection, mm. you press enter, or you say discover model, and what the technique will do, it will take the model you have and will try to augment the model with the new behavior that you have selected. Mm, okay. So you have to it's realize. Just, oh yeah, go ahead.
0: No, so uh, it's not just like on an activity base where you have one activity and you say, oh, that's non-conforming. I don't want that in my model, but it's taking the whole process as or variants as they are and saying, yes, this is a legitimate one, or this is a. a yeah. Legitimate
2: one and the the question that the tool answers or sort of is okay, give me the best possible model that still represents all the behavior that the previous mm-hmm. version of the model uh, represented plus all the all the executions you would like to also describe mm-hmm. that's uh, that's what it does uh, so it's it's sort of an incremental approach where because you you first to realize when you add ten executions, so you say mm-hmm. add these ten executions. It can be that if in the data set, there are 2000 executions by trying to learn a model that just describes these 10 executions, you also describe 50 other executions
0: out of the box because they actually fit the same
2: model that has been learned. Mm. That happens.
0: Oh, so you just then go back and say, well, it didn't cover these points and oh, maybe I hadn't even considered that this could be an option. And you say, well, in, I guess this is also okay. And then add it into yeah. your model.
2: Okay. yeah and 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 specifically uh it also allows you to uh, we've been looking also a bit at trying to explicitly block behavior but that's that's actually much more difficult than the Mm -hmm. other way around um i think yeah we did all kinds of improvements um uh, one thing that you can do in the tool um is it can basically you can freeze we call that uh, freeze parts of the model so if you have a certain part of the model that you would say okay this whatever you do, don't touch this, uh, then that that can be actually uh, also mm. done by the algorithm.
0: So I've kind of wanted to ask, in, in general, why develop this tool in the first place, right? Did you see that there was a, a distinct lack of this type of functionality that you're building in the market and you just didn't find a proper tool um, to do it for you? So you decided to build it yourself? Or generally, how did this tool come about even?
2: Um. Well, uh, I mean, th- there have been more attempts to uh, foster interactivity in 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 this type of algorithms. Um, what was what drove m- me personally uh, was when I was doing my PhD research. Uh, I have been studying process discovery uh, in a more classical sense, so taking an event log, trying to learn a process model that that then describes the behavior. Mm. So I think I spent one and a half years extending an existing algorithm, not achieving many results, uh, (laughs) in in all honesty. And then I realized, then I was trying to analyze myself an event data set, trying to use, you know, all the tools that I had available in my toolbox. But I realized that when I really wanted to discover a process model, I would actually inspect the most frequent cases. And I would make a mental image. Okay, if I would take these three, four, five, six executions that are very common, and I would combine them in a model, how how would that model then look? And then I would mm-hmm. be iteratively modeling that by by hand. Uh, then again, investigating. Okay, um, if I want to add this new behavior, would it fit? So um, I I I noticed that I was when I was applying this, I was doing something completely different than what. You know we always pretend that we want to do with these process discovery algorithms. Another thing I've noticed in practice is there is an open uh, publicly available data set uh, regarding to um in, that that describes uh administrative process of road traffic fines. Mm-hmm. and there i think the second or third most um, uh the second or third most uh, execution uh most most frequently executed process is actually. Mm-hmm. People that don't pay the fine, and uh, any process discovery algorithm will, of course, uh, always consider that as normative behavior because it happens maybe twenty or thirty thousand times uh, <laughs> out of out of I think uh, well, a bit less, but uh, it, it's a significant amount of times people don't pay. Any process discovery algorithm will learn their behavior, um, and it's questionable whether if you want to have a view on your process that is as much support as possible by the data if you want to integrate that behavior or whether you want to have a normative model that is Mm -hmm. backed by data, but that you can also use to quantify unwanted behavior. And I think what we want to do is the second. I would not want to have a model that completely describes everything. I want to have a model that describes my ideal world, Mm -hmm. but that's also realistic at the same time. Uh, Yeah, and then I I realized that uh, that by by uh, yeah fostering interaction, uh, I expect that the models we can um, learn are of um, much higher quality. There's some other benefits that also come naturally by doing this. Uh, It's a bit technical to explain. So Uh if you want, I can do that. If not, uh, (laughs) I can can not do that.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, maybe so essentially you don't want your process or let's say we call it the happy path when you see your most frequented executed path of the process to be already non-conformant, basically. Yeah, to a certain degree.
2: I've noticed that um, happy path like process executions maybe not the ultimate happy path, but, but some other execution is also very frequent, hmm. uh, is not necessarily always what you would really want yeah. the process to be. So, um, and the problem is to, to come to that observation, uh, I doubt that having a process model that simply describes that that can happen, I doubt whether that is the best possible way to come to that observation. Yeah, That it's, something is happening that you would not want to happen.
1: Maybe a question, uh, would you have a specific use case in mind? You already mentioned one um, with the finds where basically this functionality would be superior to a standard process discovery available in other commercial tools. Um, how I look at, I mean, this is just a prototype.
2: Uh, how I look at the technology we are developing is, I think uh, it is bridging the... Worlds of modeling and mining, right? I mean, uh, SAP recently bought Signavio mm-hmm. for, for a significant amount of, of, of money. So that signifies that somehow modeling processes is very important within organizations. Uh, I, I think that uh, I, I personally believe that the one future avenue would definitely be that tools like Signavio. Uh, but it can also be that Salonis moves towards that direction, get more and more backed by data. So, um, right, because it's, it's nice to have a process modeling tool, which is also for, uh, allowing you to collaborate with your, um, with your colleagues. But if, if the model you make is a completely unrealistic view on the process you are operating, um, yeah, the question is what the, model you, the model's value is. At the same time, Having a model that has is an appropriate representation of a process can be very helpful in various dimensions.
0: So is that a very typical kind of problem that your clients face in in that regard, where they say, "Well, we have a modeling tool and we have a process discovery tool, but there's just nothing kind of that meets in the middle and kind of gives me an accurate depiction of what my actual process is," and that's where you go. Well, I've got the tool for you.
2: Um. I think I'm not sure whether the awareness in industry is already at that level mm. um, because if you look at um the process maps, i mean these artifacts already reveal all kinds of unexpected connections between activities or potential repetition of activities um but I think at some point um if you want to really go one step deeper and you would like to really try to express okay. This is really what we want it to be. And are we doing that? Or if legislation is dictating that you need to do something in a specific way, uh, for all these type of questions, having accurate models uh, of the process uh, um, is 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 of vital importance. And uh, I noticed that next week or you're going to release a talk with Baudouin van Dongen, probably... <laughs> at this point in time, it's not released yet, but I can imagine uh, he has a somewhat similar opinion. And, uh, <laughs> no spoilers. <Yeah. laughs> no spoilers. Yeah, yeah, he was my co-promoter, so yeah. second promoter. So,
1: yeah, there we actually discussed this suitcase use case, where we are basically looking where the suitcase will go and uh, trying to map it at a certain part of the process that you are not showing the whole path, but you know, incrementally showing these steps. So, I think this could be a very good. Uh, Uh, A use case for your tool as well. Um, What you also wrote uh, in the description, and I will read this again, that there is a feedback mechanism uh, that are implemented that notify the user of the quality of the discovered process models. Uh, What does that mean?
2: Well, that that basically means that whenever you learn a process model, um, it will automatically do a full conformance check of the event data with that model. Uh, so you get instance feedback, okay, uh, this new model that you've derived, uh, what percentage of cases does it cover, mm-hmm. um, etc.
1: And uh, maybe another question would be uh, if, uh, let's say, we also decide to work with your tool, is it also like a available? Is it for free or is there some licensing fee? Is this uh, more like a library that you just download and then use? Uh,
2: yeah, th- so this is... Um it's a web-based tool, uh, which is packaged as a standalone tool. Um, the same holds, by the way, we have another more analysis-oriented tool, uh, PMTK. Uh, both of these tools are web applications, meaning you can run them uh, in, in an organization uh, internally, as, and you can reach it from anywhere with a web client. But both of them are packaged as standalone tools for any operating system, and you can use them uh, either for academic or non-commercial purposes, and of course, evaluation purposes. But uh, our main aim is not necessarily to sell that technology. Our main aim would be to do a project where we exploit that technology together yep. with uh, the industrial partner to also extending it in a direction that is interesting for the partner
0: now if it's a web-based tool i must ask is is um, how efficient is this tool like how much data can i throw into it um, before it, it gives up
2: um that so uh, that depends a bit um uh, so both tools have pm4pi actually in the back end uh so it's it's um uh, yes, a simple architecture where you have a, a web service and a front end front end calls web service mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the back end p is running um, Of course, the amount of data you can uh, upload depends a lot on the uh, specs of the hardware that is running the back end um, We have not yet, but our very interested in uh, this related to what i said earlier in in trying to see okay can we i don't know hook up spark cluster and then and go use some specific uh um library that for that allows us to do distributed computations Mm -hmm. then it would basically scale uh, Mm. until yeah very large numbers yeah (laughs) Yeah, and um i think at the moment of course there's, there's a limitation it's hard to pinpoint the number on it what I think in Daniel uh, in Daniel's tools so in Cotado, what what I think um, he does really smart, and I always advise every industrial entity to also do that is when he computes these uh, conformance checking artifacts, which is in general a um, can be a fairly computationally expensive thing to do. Uh, he always does it in a- asynchronous way, right? So he just uh, pushes a, a a number of of, of calls, mm-hmm. uh, so can be that over time the statistics you see change a bit mm. um, because it's asynchronously updating the results
1: now sebastian you already mentioned it a little and uh, let's moving on uh, a bit from the cortado tool and that would be the uh, already mentioned uh, python libraries and uh, as a preparation for the episode, I was reading up a bit on your uh, on your previous uh, career successes and achievements, and you actually uh, developed one of the, well, actually the largest Python library on the market when it comes to process mining. It's called uh, PM4PY. Uh, I know Patrick is a big Python nerd and he loves developing uh, stuff himself, uh, although we did not go as far as to develop our own process mining library. Uh, what could we use the library for?
2: In my view the strengths of PM4Pi uh, it would be for people that are more interested in, in really developing novel things or custom things to do rapid prototyping for sure. Uh both scientists but also I think people that that apply process mining in practice uh, which have which have a bit more technical focus. Uh that that's that's a very good use case. I think in general the strengths are more the data engineering side of things um, of course you can you can compute various statistics you can can learn process models we have uh um feature extraction sort of standardized feature extraction for event logs that you can then feed into neural networks for, for prediction purposes um but i personally use it mostly for for like if i have an event log and i need to i don't know manipulate the data or i need to um uh yeah filter then then i'm i'm using certain parts of it um yeah for discovery you can also use it uh but i i think yeah uh, using a tool that that has a bit of interaction
3: uh, mm.
2: is is simply easier to use for that
0: so it's it seems to be covering a lot of the you know from the data engineering point all the way to like the process discovery part right there's a whole bunch that goes on in between um so does it cover all these things and um if and how how does that work is it is it fairly intuitive or and how complex of operations can you can you do in 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 this tool
2: um so in the tool uh, we have implemented a bunch of uh process discovery algorithms various filters that are also very specific to um to process mining and processes uh conformance checking, uh, performance analysis of various uh, standards, um, like also of of these process maps. Uh, We have a lot actually uh, more theoretical work also like uh, detecting whether a certain model is of a certain class or whether it can be transformed to a certain class. If you, you have process models in any format, you can generate synthetic data out of it, that that's things you can do. Um, there's a lot of these these types of functionalities. Probably too too much to to uh, mention when when you look at the um, ease of use. Um, in The initial versions. I, I came from a Java background, and the the, the architecture is a bit Java esque actually. Mm. Um, and we've been trying to more and more change the usage of the tool to be more Pythonic. Mm. Uh, by simply you know looking at how do other libraries do that like pandas etc mm. um we're planning also to do a major release in the upcoming weeks months um where we are really trying to change a few things under the hood's uh primarily using pandas everywhere mm-hmm. inside, um rather than than event log objects which we custom coded ourselves uh mm-hmm. Some time ago
0: I have a uh, I have so many questions one uh, one of them being so how does it work when you decide on you know what bugs to fix um, or what um, features to implement what to change is it more that the the users of the tool kind of uh, submit bug reports or give feature requests and things like that and you take that in or do you have your like a, your own milestones your own agenda that you that you try and push
2: it's a bit of a mixture um, for me the agenda has been lately more on um, trying to actually cut down some of the functionalities because from time to time, um, actually one of my colleagues did main development. I did more of the steering. I did more developing in the beginning and he took over gradually. Um, it's been more coordinating recently. My personal focus is that I would like to simplify and I would like to document better uh, (laughs) at the moment. That's my personal, uh, goal for the, for the library. Um, as I said, it's a bit of a mix. So, of course, on GitHub we get pull requests or or issues. Yeah. Um, we also, as we use it ourselves in in some of our software, that also reveals from time to time uh, issues and bugs, uh, etc. Mm. Um, what what sort of is relatively new is that so so my colleague uh, Alessandro, who is is doing a lot of coding, uh, recently for 4 Pi. Uh, he has also been involved in the development of this uh, more recent object-centric process mining idea. So he's been also implementing support to to uh, handle these type of data sets and mm-hmm. to discover models with that type of data sets. Mm. And I I expect that uh, more algorithms will eventually come in that direction.
0: Okay. It's very interesting. So is this something that you could just install on a laptop and have it run things? Or is this also something that companies can implement, you know, on a larger architecture in, in their kind of uh, server clusters?
2: They, 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 they can definitely do that. Um, at the moment, we don't have ourselves any, any sort of support for distributed computation yet. Uh, there are certain companies using pm 4 Pi also in a proprietary fashion. Uh, for which we, of course provide licenses so that mm-hmm. they can do that mm. because the the license under which Pm Python released does not allow you to do that okay. um, but this is definitely possible yeah um, and, and there are
0: companies doing that mm-hmm. so um, where where do you foresee sorry last question Jakub, on this topic so where where what is the what is the goal what are you trying to um aim for with with this project just um kind of pythonic versions of some of the mainstream tools and functions that we already see in commercial tools or do you have some sort of a bigger goal that you're trying to achieve with this um, python um, project
2: yeah so I, I think the goal would be to um try to enable uh, people to use i would say the major process mining algorithms that that you know have have been around for a while have proven useful uh to be available in python um if you look at the PROM framework, which was sort of still exists and, 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 and is also used, of course, um, contains a lot of algorithms that are very hard to use or very or just simply don't work. Um, so the goal is definitely to make, a, from time to time, make an assessment of, of what is out there in, in the literature and what seems to be uh, also um, what will, will remain. To some
1: degree mm-hmm. um, speaking of goals, Sebastian, uh, what gets you excited for the next couple of months and maybe even uh, years when it comes to new research topics and new areas of uh, of uh, process mining that you are trying to to solve with uh, together with your team and Fraunhofer uh, that you could maybe share us with
2: yeah, so what at the moment uh, excites me a lot is. Um, the the new research direction that we're trying to push um what i noticed is that and this is based on actually uh, also interactions with industry i noticed that uh the process mining field, which originates from the bpm the business process management Mm -hmm. field somehow we tend to uh simply assume that the process is executed uh, as if some oracle does that um We don't really take into account that there's people involved and that people have working hours and (laughs) usually need a schedule or something to do their thing. So we ignore the whole idea of planning ahead. Um, What I also noticed uh, in the operations research community, which is the community that looks at to to some degree or largely to automated planning systems uh, is that they often ignore the dynamic aspect of the real world. So they sort of have this assumption that, okay, uh, you know exactly what you want to do. Uh, And in certain cases, this is true. If you look at production, yeah, you probably know a bit better in advance how many cars you want to produce, but still so many things can go wrong. Uh, And I look at event data as sort of the, the missing link between those... Those two, those two worlds so we can on the one hand operational research can exploit um, the data and learn from the data and at some point counteract and and, and revise plannings completely in an automated fashion uh, processes can be run much smoother if we improve the schedules and plannings that we have for them so To me, it feels like a very big gap. It can be if you talk with an operations research guy that that he says, no, we've already done that. Right. It's also what scientists sometimes tend to do, but uh, (laughs) now I've seen at least in industry cases where uh, such technology would be extremely helpful.
1: Interesting. Um well, Sebastian, uh, time is running by fast. And before we wrap up the episode, I would like to ask you uh, where could uh, our listeners and our, uh, uh, you know, other process mining uh, nerds, Python nerds, whoever <laughs> listens to this episode, where can they can go and find out more about you, what you've been doing, and eventually also about the, the Python libraries and your tool, the Cortado? Uh,
2: well, it's a bunch of uh, <laughs> websites that I would need to... Uh... List. Um, I think, yeah, the best thing to, to do is if, if you would be interested in uh, reading some of my scientific work, I mm-hmm. have usually the papers freely available uh, on my personal website. That's Sebastian van Zels.com. Um, if, if you want to know more about uh, applying Process mining. Um you can go to the Center for Process Intelligence website, so that is uh, cpi.fit.fraunhofer.de. Very mm-hmm. difficult. <laughs> um and finally, yeah, we have uh, of course a webpage of a research group, um which is uh, fit.fraunhofer.de slash process mining. And I'm I'm also available on LinkedIn. Uh cool. So people can uh, send me a message
1: yeah you will find all the links in uh, our post when it uh, is released so no worries if you didn't get the long uh, website of (laughs) raunhofer it'll be there uh sebastian thank you very very much for coming to the show it's been a real pleasure uh it's uh, as i keep saying it's uh, always exploring new ways of working and i already have a lot of ideas especially for this uh this exploratory uh, approach that you're using in Corsado. Uh, so we will definitely catch up on this together with Patrick. So thank you very much. Yeah, it was uh, fun to be in the show. All right. For everyone else who's listening, also thank you for that. Uh, as you know, you can find us on uh, LinkedIn. If you have any question, just hit us there. Uh, we will be sure to answer you or eventually also answer the question in the podcast. If you have any ideas for future guests or someone who would really like to hear on our show, let us know. Um, you can also find the show notes on the website mindingyourbusinesspodcast.com. Uh, if you like us, leave us a review, give us some comments. We always appreciate it. And thank you for your time and thank you for being with us. Patrick, Sebastian, bye bye.